0: Well, I am excited to be preaching on this Palm Sunday, and I'm actually gonna jump right into the scripture this morning. So we are in the Gospel of Matthew, and we will be in chapter 24, or 21. You should think I would know this, I've already done this twice already. But <clears throat> when they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage Beth- at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village ahead of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. So I told the 945 crowd, we just study the 10 commandments, so thou shall not steal. So when you want to steal something, you can't just say the Lord needs it. Or when you're shopping on Amazon and you're like, honey, the Lord needs it. So just so you know. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and that were followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is a prophet Jesus from Nazareth and Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Like many of you, I've read this story countless times or I've heard it or I've, I've known bits and pieces of it. And there are slightly different versions in each of the four Gospels. Luke mentions cloaks, but there's no, nothing about palms or leaves. It says the religious leaders were telling Jesus to quiet his disciples, but Jesus responds, even if I were to quiet them, the stones would shout. And in Mark, well, if you know Mark, he's the briefest of the gospels, so he doesn't say a lot of details. He just tells the entire story of Jesus and moves on. In John, it mentions palm branches but no cloaks. mentions that the crowd that was there uh, with their palm leaves and stuff was the same crowd that witnessed Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He mentions that the disciples didn't understand what was going on, which is pretty typical for our disciples. And there's no mention of conflict. But the Pharisees do say to one another, you see you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And then as we just read in Matthew, there's a donkey and a colt, a large crowd is there. And there are both cloaks and branches from the trees that are spread out. They're shouting Hosanna, <clears throat> but it says the city was in turmoil. There's, so there's a few details I want you to know. So palm leaves represent victory over the enemy. Uh, they represent power. They, they represent strength. You may have seen them, I always think of like original Olympians have crowns of palm leaves around them. And then there's a donkey. Now I don't have a donkey figurine, but I do have a spin from Frozen that I thought that will do. <clears throat> it's got a glittery back, not like Jesus had probably. But a donkey, well, it's not a war horse, I can tell you that. No one of, of significance would ever dare ride on a donkey. At, the donkey represents service and suffering or peace and humility. Nothing a king would ride, but it makes sense that Jesus would ride something like this. What about the cloaks? Uh, actually, I couldn't find anything. So they're just kind of dirty, dusty garments. But why are people gathered in Jerusalem? Why are these crowds? Well, Jews made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem a few times a year, and this was Passover. so. Everyone was going to Jerusalem. So there's going to be this huge crowd, and and Pilate and and the empire and his entourage came because they knew this would be right for some sort of revolution, maybe. Their eyes were always watching. Now, when you read uh, that Jesus is coming from the Mount of Olives, we know, or we suspect that Jesus probably came through the East Gate. And we are led to believe that Pilate came through the West Gate, now, if you've been to the Old City, some of the original gates um, are in the inner part and have been sealed off. But the, the new West Gate would be kind of the Jaffa Gate. And then some call the gate that Jesus came through the beautiful gate, the golden gate, the gate of mercy. So I want us to put ourselves in the story. So the West, when you're in the West, the parade, you, you, you hear, and there seems to be shouting. There seems to be a lot of commanding, and the voices sound very angry, and there's, there's a lot of them. And if you listen, you, you hear that horses are going, and they're in unison. You also hear maybe the footsteps of soldiers, and they are also in unison, and you think, they've probably done this a time or two. This is not their first rodeo with a big parade. But the people are shouting to one another, and again, you can't tell what they're saying, but they don't seem joyful, they don't seem excited, and it seems very tense in the West. Now, if you go to the East, it's a very different story. First of all, there's this guy on a donkey, and this guy is not anything to look at, there's nothing special about him. He also, he looks a little bit too big to be on a donkey as a grown man, but there's no organization to the parade and he, he's got this old dirty robe. His feet are dirty. His hair is kind of matty. There's, there's no armor. There's, there's no weapons. There's no unison. There, it's kind of just, people are just dancing and laughing and singing. Kids are running around. People are weeping, but in a good way and then there's palms and cloaks on the ground. So two gates, two very different parades. The Matthew passage, as I mentioned, it mentions that the city was in turmoil. And I think the people being in turmoil not only reflects the tense, scary, chaotic lives they found themselves in daily, but also reflects the struggle they had internally with who to follow. Who did they give their honor to their time, their worship, their devotion. I mean, what they know of this Jesus guy, he sounds pretty intriguing and sounds pretty nice, but also extremely challenging. He's the one that heals and forgives and has this deep compassion for the worst of the worst. He speaks about love and forgiveness more than anything, and he's really quiet about it. He just goes town to town talking to the nobodies It's like he wants to spend time with them. It's like he wants to be around the common people. It's like he cares and loves all people, especially those on the margin, those forgotten, those who are the least of these. But then he also talks about giving away things like all of your possessions. He talks about loving and forgiving enemies. He's He's okay being around sinners in intentional and loving ways. He even talks about anger, like don't even harbor it, don't even keep it inside, or cutting an eye out or a hand. He says some pretty radical things, incredibly challenging, seems kind of unattainable. But on the other hand, the people are faced, do they follow the empire? The Roman Empire was the superpower and it infiltrated every part of their life. I mean, you think their money was a constant reminder of who was in charge. The presence of soldiers, even in times of peace, were always around. The fancy armor, the, the horses, the parades demanded that people look and honor and worship the empire. And if you didn't, there were grave consequences. You could be killed and killed in a horrible way. Your families could be threatened, your land, your crops, your home, everything. Everything was up for grabs by the empire because they had all the power. And because they were in charge, there was often chaos and suffering and death and starvation and poverty and war. But sometimes they offered you money and power in exchange for your devotion Maybe we understand this story more than we think we do. Choosing which gate to be on that day was hard and for many days to come and maybe even today. I believe many of us probably struggle with who to worship, who to give our time and our focus and our attention and our money to. I feel it. Who or what do we say yes to? You know, reading this story, I never thought about that there was a lot of struggle and fear to follow and worship something other than the empire. I might even have a tiny, tiny bit of grace for the religious leaders who didn't want to revolt on their hand, like a very small sliver, okay? They really enjoyed their power. But this was a scary time. People were desperate for change. People had been longing for the Messiah. They were scared to be hopeful and they needed help. They needed healing, they needed protection. So maybe they were scared to believe, they were very much scared what it would mean if they decided to worship something other than the empire. Now I do believe on this day that the people waving their palm branches and and shouting Hosanna, which essentially translates to save us, Lord, save us. I think they were honest in that. They were in great need of rescuing and saving from their status quo and they really did see or they felt something different with this presence of this man on a donkey. They really did want a new king. They wanted that Messiah to come and change everything and break the release the empire had on all of them. In these moments, I think they felt the love and compassion Jesus had for them and that he was offering and ushering in a new way of life, a new kingdom built on everything opposite of what the empire had built. Even if they didn't fully understand who he was or what he stood for, as many people were saying, who is this, who is this? I think in this moment, they wanted to believe. They wanted to be saved. But in the back of their heads, some voice said, you should be on the other side of the city right now. You should be at the other gate. I bet many of us have had that small voice too. Do I follow Jesus or do I fill in the blank? You know, I've always wondered if Jesus expected the palms and the, and the cloaks and all that and I don't, I don't think so. He was a man that lived under the radar for most of his life. Even his big miracles or things he was often saying, Don't tell anyone. And so I can't imagine him coming from the Mount of Olives, coming through and, and excited to have this big recognition. He never demanded or asked to be put on this pedestal or given special treatment. He was humble, a simple guy. He doesn't enter into Jerusalem saying, Here I am, worship me. Pilate ever on the other side. You better pay attention and give me all the honor and respect and follow everything I say. That's why I love these two stories because the invitation of Christ is not one that is forced on any of us. It's this open invitation. When you think about all the things he taught and the way he he does it, he never ends his parables or his stories like, now you do it, now worship me. He left the choice up to people and he didn't grow angry with people but had compassion for them as he knew they were looking for something but they just weren't quite ready to say yes for whatever reason. There are so many stories of Jesus looking out on crowds and having compassion and feeling love. In Matthew 9 it says when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He weeps over Jerusalem in just a couple chapters. There's something so unique about the way that Jesus doesn't expect or demand gratitude or instant devotion, but he loves us regardless. One of my favorite lines, which you will hear in our confession, the communion liturgy, is Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. So radically different from the empire. But keep in mind the people that are shouting Hosanna and putting their cloaks on the ground are some of the same ones in a few short days are going to be yelling crucify him. <clears throat> and I've struggled with this. Not that I haven't easily flip-flopped myself on things. But the empire had such a great hold on people, such influence and people were conflicted and confused, and also hateful and sinful, but I think we need to be reminded that they were scared. And yet Jesus still looks upon them with love and compassion and forgiveness. He offers them life. He knows this to be true, even as they're shouting Hosanna and knowing that many of them will turn their back. He, he offers this love. His love is steadfast and his forgiveness is endless. And so he's riding on this donkey the colt, the one that represents service, suffering, peace and humility, a donkey that once carried Jesus' mother when she was gonna bring forth this life. Now Jesus is on a donkey promising to bring eternal life. But the struggle to believe in this ordinary man on this less than glamorous animal is difficult to do. And when you put Pilate and, and Jesus side by side, you might struggle too. You can decide who your pilot or empire is. We all have one. And even with all the bad stuff we know about the empire and what it represents and what they do, that doubt creeps in when you think about is Jesus really who he says he is? Can he really offer what he says? We're not too different from the people from this time. We find ourselves conflicted and then turmoil quite often when faced with choosing who to follow in worship. I feel it. And so I'm gonna leave you with one question today. On this Palm Sunday, at what gate do you find yourself at? Amen.